Welcome to Two Lit Mamas, a kid lit podcast for parents, teachers, and writers, and anyone who loves children's books. I'm Heather Kaufman Peters. I'm the mother of one adult son, a preschool teacher, and a writer. And I'm Margie Ozimet. I'm a mom of two boys, a middle school teacher, a former homeschooler, and a writer. Welcome to episode 68, the episode in which we fangirl hard for the OG <laughs> of all MG. <laughs> um, we're jumping on the bloom wagon. Yes, we are. We're talking all things Margaret and Judy Bloom today. Can't wait. Can I just tell you that like this whole flood of Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, that has taken over the airwaves, is, it just makes me so happy. And I feel like I um, am not the only old broad who feels that way. We needed her again, right? We did. We needed her to come back and be like, guys, we got this. We can handle this. First, before we get into Margie, Margaret and Judy. Margie, you can just call her Margie. Hey, Margie. Are you there? God, it's me, Margie. Hey. (laughs) Before we get into all that, what's new in your world? What's going on? Well, we had the sun for the first time ever this weekend. And it was like 67 degrees, which immediately meant that everyone in the state of Massachusetts like threw off their hoodie and ran outside to the garden. And we did the same. But we also have like, it's called what I like to call the pollinine, where all the massive pine trees start to like bloom. And there's like giant yellow clouds that sort of blow through the state. So it's been pretty. Everyone's just like coughing, hacking, sneezing on top of each other. I think there's a science fiction book in that for you somewhere. I think there is too. The pollinine is, it's for real. It's like nothing I've ever seen in my life. And I've lived in a lot of tree-ish places. But um, yeah, it's been so nice. I actually like got my deck furniture out and I can start like my outdoor living space is the only thing that makes my world like manageable some days. Yeah, I hear it's nice to get like do the simple things like get flowers, get some flowers planted and just get my kids out of the house. It just lifts everybody's mood. Like when it's it stops raining and it's warm enough to be outside a lot, like everybody's just a little bit happier. The old Kirk and I made a big fire pit and stared out over the bogs like two geriatrics on Saturday night where the kids like played soccer in the backyard. And I'm like, oh, I needed this really bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's, of course, in and around 9,000 soccer games. But what about you? You were often, you were frolicking this weekend. I was probably looking at my nephew's graduation. It was so great to see he graduated this from was college. A college graduation, He's right? A college grad. I'm so oh proud of him. Super proud. What's his major? Yeah. He was a um, biology major with like a chemistry minor. So, you know, wow, a little nice. bit of an overachiever. And the graduation was nice? It was very nice. They had bagpipes. Ooh. <laughs> I know. It was like That's a nice little, a treat. little thing. Okay. <laughs> I know. Died. It was kind of exciting. Like they let in the faculty and stuff. It was kind of cool. Oh, cool. They do that at Villanova too. The, they have a bagpiper that brings in the, the whole shebang. I feel like it gives it a little elevated uh, pomp, if you will. Yes. I was so jealous of all the college professors and their awesome robes and hats and stuff. I'm like, oh, life goals. I would love to be able to do that someday. You know what <laughs> makes me jealous about them is that they look really figure hiding. (laughs) Those giant robes can pretty much handle like anything. So imagine like you're like, oh, I have to go to graduation. What am I going to wear? It doesn't matter. I'm wearing a giant black dress with a red scarf. It's perfect. Like (laughs) it's ideal. And a a jaunty hat, a chapeau, if you will. It works out really well. (laughs) 
You know what else I was jealous of as all the young women who wore like three inch heels and had to like felt totally confident walking up the steps, walking across the stage and down the steps again. I was like, I remember those days. Now I'm like, hmm, should I wear those shoes? I might fall on my butt. (laughs) I know I'm like, I'll take the sensible shoes because I only have one working me at this point. So maybe that's like, I'll just take those. That'll be mobile. Or they're like, oh, those are going to give me blisters. I don't want to wear them. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, we, I, my husband and I were watching this comedian. I wish I could remember who it was, but she was talking about how in the audience right now, she was talking to the men. She's like, several of your women that you're with have feet that are bleeding. And I was like, oh my gosh. Yes. So true. It's so, so true. true. Why are we so stupid? Like, we why do we so do those stupid. things? Why know. do we do those things? Judy Bloom should have wrote a book about that. Like, we don't need have. to sacrifice. <laughs> Sacrifice Dear Margaret, it's okay to wear a hoodie and sensible sneakers and <laughs> Chuck Taylors. It's fine. <laughs> that'll be that'll be like the Ju- Judy's middle age book for Margaret. <laughs> I think I can write that one. I literally got that one covered. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my son and I. It's so speaking of this. So my son, my older son, is like he's like a connoisseur of um, Chuck Taylors, right? The high tops. He gets them all. He everything. And you know, I was like, honey. Not, not for nothing, but your mother's been wearing those since somewhere around like 87. But all right, you take it as your new thing. You go with that. And he's got them in all colors and he orders like special patterns off of eBay or not wow. eBay. What's that one? Like Poshmark or something. You know, like, oh, this is a rare Chuck Taylor. And I'm like, what ifs? But anyway, so the <laughs> you know, you're day, like, you could just come into my closet and find some. Right. Ones. And he's like, Vintage. Uh, <laughs> and he said, so he says to me, he's like, you know, those black ones, you need new ones. And I'm like, I know they're really beat up. It's time for me to like invest in new ones. So I was like, maybe I'll get a new collar. He's like, you should get red. I'm like, well, that's pretty basic. So I'm like, I'm not a basic gal, you know? So then I ordered a pair. I was on Amazon and I found a pair for like 20 bucks, right? Uh They are 1000% the best fake I've ever seen in my life because I just like ordered a pair to like get me by until I go to the mall to find like there's a, because there's a Converse outlet nearby, but I'm like, oh, these look cute. I'm going to order them because they came in this really cool green. He had no idea that they weren't real. Oh, um, I can't believe you paid $95 for low tops. And I'm like, yeah, that's it. He's like, I saw them on the website. I can't believe you got these. I'm like, you are not the connoisseur you think you are because I totally duped you from Amazon for $22.99. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) But they are actually a really good dupe. They're, you know, they like, they have the same rubber sole and everything. And he's like, well, maybe I should get a pair. (laughs) (laughs) Save his birthday money. Exactly. Oh my God. His work money. That kid works more than anybody I know on the weekends now. He's going to be loaded. Nice. I like yeah. it. That's what I keep telling him. I'm like, you got more money than me. You, you're buying. You're buying this time. <laughs> oh yeah. I started making my son do that when he got a job too. Like, oh, you're buying Starbucks this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. go buy your mom a coffee, please. <laughs> Feel my pain, man. It's rough. It's, it's the rough. mom tax. <laughs> it is. It <laughs> you is. Gotta charge that mom tax. Oh, speaking, speaking of mom of tax. <laughs> Are you are you girded? Have you girded your loins for Mother's Day? <laughs> you know what? I actually made it this year. I said I don't want anything for real, but I want us to all go to the like to the nursery and get flowers together. Oh, well, that's of course sweet. we have soccer. I mean, of course we have soccer, and we have it like you know right. It's up up in uh, Cohasset, which is like you know from us. It's about it's probably like ten miles, but it's like windy, 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 windy because yeah. it's right on the coast. So it'll take like seventeen hours to get there. Um, <laughs> So we have, you know, besides that, I said, I just want us to go like do something and no one's going to fight. And then that's all. And I know that won't happen, but I can try. 
that way. I like, here's my expectation. No one is going to be an asshole and we're going to go get flowers. Neither of these things will probably happen, but I put it out there. So maybe the universe will comply. There is like this whole like Mercury and retrograde thing that's hit me hard though. So maybe who knows, who knows what's going to happen. What about you? Uh, Well, you know, the reason we're commiserating listeners is because, you know, when you have only boys, Uh, it can get a little rough for Mother's Day, (laughs) especially if you don't have husbands who are on top of it either. Um, But this year, my husband actually had reservations for somewhere for us. So we're at least going out to eat. Wow. I know. Step in the right direction. That was nice. Yeah. And unfortunately, my son has to work all day on Mother's Day. So it's not going to be where he can't even go out to eat with us. That's okay. And I did remind him and he did say, I know mom. And he has a girlfriend now. So maybe. So she's. Yeah. That's when things get a little better. It might swing in my direction this year. You never know. I hope you have a argument-free and flower-filled day on, on Sunday. I hope so. Thank you. And I also hope that like there's no injuries. I, can I just tell you, I know I talk <laughs> about soccer a lot, but we have now hit the um, like the, the, the city league version of high school soccer. And it is absolutely terrifying. And I don't like it at all. Because on Saturdays, I watch the under 10 play and my nine-year-old is seems to be just, they're fine. It's exciting. It's fun. Frolic, frolic. Yay, yay. And then on Sundays, I have to watch like, they're like grown man-sized people. And they they throw each other across the, it's like freaking rugby. And I mean, it's, it's, they're so aggressive. They're so, and my kid's not that big. He's not that big. We've upped the game with parents as well. So these parents are sort of more aggressive because they're like my husband. They come from a world of soccer and this old non-jock mom doesn't do well with it. I'm like, oh my God, can we just run a little slower? Did you need to push him that hard? Oh my God. Did you just jump over him? <laughs> Did you literally just hurdle that other kid? Oh my God. Yeah. I watched the girls before and the girls were really aggressive because it was the high school girls finished right before our game. And I was like, wow, they're pretty, they're pretty rough. Good on you girls. But then the boys came out and I'm like, someone's going to die today. And I just hope it's not mine. It was insane. It was insane. Anyway, if I was a neurosurgeon, I'd sit there and be like, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Every time one of those giant balls smacks someone in the head and they headed across the field, I'm like, isn't this brain damage? Oh, my God. Couldn't somebody just do drama? That's all I'm just saying. I know. I remember when my son was playing hockey, it escalated every year. You know, we were like one year from when they could actually do checking, which terrified me because I actually one of my nephews, he got a concussion playing hockey and just watching him on like be down on the ice was like not something I want to relive, you know? Yeah. But that was when my son was like, nope, I'm done. Cause that, that year, the last year before it got really aggressive, his team won the city championship and he was like, I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. You're going out on top. And I was like, that's fine. I'm and good with that. That's good with that. I'm yeah. cool. I'm cool with that. <laughs> but I will say on the, like my son's team, they are such nice boys. They are such nice boys overall. And every single time, and even the other team that they played, you know, the same thing. These kids would come at each other. They would, you know, like they would, if somebody's like picking a pocket or battling, you know, to to win it or doing a 1v1 or something like that. And some like it ends up in this giant kerfluffle and everyone's like knocked on the ground or something. Every single time those kids would help the other one up and they'd be like, you good, man? You good? Like every single time they always, so there's like such a, they were so, yeah, they were Mm -hmm. just so nice, you know, like just so making sure that it's really just a game, you know, it's a game. We're just here for the game. So Mm -hmm. give me a little bit of hope. (laughs) 
gave me a little bit of hope. There's no, yeah, no <laughs> one's, no one, no one was like intentionally mean. I don't like meanness. You know, I don't like meanness, mm-hmm. but <laughs> so anyway, that's it. That's what's new with me. That's what's happening here. I'm, I'm stuck in the world of soccer. So can we move on to something good and let's talk about girl problems? That was the one thing too about Judy Bloom. I was like, Oh, it's all about girls. How fun. Right? <laughs> let's go back to girls again. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's get started. All right, Margie, I know that this is your all-time favorite book, so why don't you get us started, please? First, I will give you my my backstory about Margaret in a minute, but let me give you Margaret Margaret's backstory as a book, okay? Um, it was first published in 1970, and it, it gives us it chronicles the life of Margaret Simon. And at the very beginning of the book, she and her family moved to New Jersey, out of New York City. And leaving her grandmother, P.S., the best grandmother of all grandmothers in any book ever. So that's a little bit rough. But as she moves to New Jersey, she quickly meets some good friends and she becomes a a part of this group of four girls. And um, together they sort of have to figure out boys and they figure out how friendship works and how girl friendship works, periods, bras. But most importantly, and I think that oftentimes this book gets taken over as like, oh, this is a book about the periods. But it's really not. It's a book about Margaret trying to figure out her relationship with God. And what that is. Margaret was born to a lapsed Christian mother, hey, and a Jewish father. And so they chose, as most of us do nowadays, which was really trendy for the time, but as we do now, like you, they chose to raise her with no religion and let her choose herself when it, the time was right. Margaret has this really kind of solid relationship with God. She, you know, she calls in, hey, God, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. And she talks to him. And that's sort of where her religion is. She also sort of tries out, she goes to different churches, different, the synagogues, just to try things on and see what fits. And that, to me, is the heart of the book. And the book is really about that. Because she's trying to navigate the things about being a little girl, I think it's gotten a different branding over the 53 years that it's been in existence. Um, but that's just, that's the gist of it. I'm, we don't need to give a full play-by-play because if this book has been out for 53 years and you have not seen it, then you need to change the podcast and go somewhere else, maybe go for true crime. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, but you never read it before though, right? I had never read it. I know before you say that you're ostracizing me, <laughs> but this was named outstanding book of the year by the New York times. When it came out, it was named uh, one of the one top 100 novels of all time by time magazine, um, scholastic magazine, parent and child, one of the hundred greatest books for kids of all time. It's tons. It's been, it's gotten everything. It's gotten so many things, but it's also very well known for being banned. Mm-hmm. And it's been banned a lot of places. It's currently, I was reading this, um, an article the other yesterday or the other day online about someone who grew up in Florida and didn't get to read it till they were adults because it was banned. I mean, everything's banned in Florida, Florida and Texas, whatever. Um, this is why I'm never going there. But anyway, there's a lot of things about it that have caused it to be banned. And while they always do it under the guise of, oh, it's dirty. It's it, it talks about sexuality. It talks about puberty. I think at the end of the day, it's really because it's a book about God. And we don't want people to question anything in that because, you know, that's that's sort of why so many of them are banned. Every Everything I've heard recently, like where they talk about it being banned, they say it was because it mentioned bras. And I was like, really? I think it's probably because she yells, I don't even know if I believe in God. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's more because of that. But um, there were a lot of bannings, major bannings in the 80s. And then up until now, it's still being banned from a lot of libraries. A lot of people, a lot of libraries require parental permission to get it. 
Um, really? I think I got my copy from like a Scholastic book fair, like a weekly reader. You remember the weekly reader book mm-hmm. sale that they would oh, send home? Oh my gosh, yes. I That's where I got mine. Those. Yeah, me too. That was like a dream. And the only reason I got it was because I'm like, oh, look at my name's in the title. Oh, that's awesome though. Not for nothing, but I did grow up in a world full of Heather's, Jody's, and Lisa's, you know? Yes. So when I was like, I was like oh, a Jennifer's, oh my God. Um, so, so to see my name on a book, I was like, I'm going to need to check this out. <laughs> and, and then I immediately fell in love. Um, but what's so interesting is that Judy Bloom never allowed anyone ever to do an adaptation, a movie adaptation of the book because she felt it was too close to her and that no one would do it justice until now. So it's been 53 years before it finally came out. So I think it's really interesting. Okay, first of all, before we go into the whole movie, uh, which you saw, and unfortunately I did not because soccer, I literally could not get there between soccer games. But I did reread the book. And I, I, it's so funny, because I think I've read the, I look at my copy. It's all it's so worn out. It's even got like the blue pages. I think that there's so many things that have just become part of my life and part of the cultural vernacular that came from this book that I'm like, oh, right. Like, I remember everything so vividly as it was just such an influential book in my growing up, like everything about that book. I still have my fifth grade book report, which I drew a very terrible drawing on the cover. It's got this green cover where I drew Margaret sitting in a chair, staring out the window. Margaret (laughs) does look like she might not have a torso. So something tragic happened to her. No one would have looked at that cover in fifth grade and been like, hey, this girl's going to go to art school. That's (laughs) what I'm just saying. I just need to put that out there. But um, there was something about this book that just, I was so, I just felt Margaret so much. I felt her, I felt like that state of being lost, even though she was an only child and I was like a middle, but I, I only had brothers. So I kind of had that same, you know, feeling too. Like you don't really have the uh, the sibling connection. You don't have the sisterhood connection. You're sort of on your own. You're trying to figure things out. You know very much that you're not the same as the rest of your family, but like, I mean, I could gush and gush and gush about this book forever, but this was your first time reading it. So tell me, what was your initial reaction? Yes, I did finally read the book. And when I was reading it, I just kept thinking, I really wished I'd read it when I was in middle school. It's all like, I mean, I just was like, why? Why was this not in my life when I needed it? I mean, honestly, it still speaks to me now reading it, but it would have helped me so much. And I don't know how I missed it. I don't know if it was intentional that I missed it, but I definitely missed it. So it would have helped so much, not just with like the direct and honest talk about puberty and the curiosity around sex, but also like the female relationships and female friendships that she was navigating. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just loved Margaret. I related to how she just kind of went along when she was in the new school with new friends. I moved in fourth grade and that was a really tough time for me. It, but, you know, she didn't seem to suffer much from it. Like she was still her own person. She didn't take a lot of it personally. It just kind of was what it was. Like obviously Nancy, who's one of her friends, that she, her first friend that she meets when she moves to New Jersey, she's a very take charge kind of friend, right? And she yes. directed everyone around her and she often made them feel somewhat inferior, like about Nancy's eating. a Karen. Nancy should have been Karen. You know, yeah, like they're eating, you know, she polices how much some of them are eating or what they're wearing. And she makes fun of them if they don't know about, you know, sex things yet or other things, puberty things yet. But she wasn't really cast as like the bad character. You know what I'm saying? No, she was just that annoying friend that everybody had. That Everybody had that girl in a friend group, you know? Yeah, she just is what she is. And Margaret... 
like just handles it. Like it, it's all more about like Margaret figuring out how to find a voice in that group of w- girls. And I just love it. Like she doesn't take a lot of it personally. Like it, some of it upsets her, but she just like figures out how to navigate it. And I would have loved that because I feel like I really struggled with female friendships a lot when I was a kid. And I would have loved, I like was kind of desperate for that rich, you know, female relationship group. And I kind of had it, but I did was not, I didn't handle a lot of it very well. And I took a lot of things like too personally. And I would have just, I think that that alone in this book would have helped me a lot. And then of course, all the questions around religion were completely fascinating. I thought that was, I really, like you said, so much of this book is more about, gets talked about the puberty and sex, sexuality stuff. But in reality, it is so much more about religion. I was really surprised by that because you don't ever hear about that. But I suppose that's really intentional, right? Because that, like you're saying, that's really the secret offensive part of this book. But it was so helpful because I think at middle middle grade is really that age where you do start to question a lot of things that you've just sort of been raised with. And the fact that Margaret wasn't raised with it gives you like a whole new perspective. Right. Definitely. Because like when she went to confession, I remember like with reading it again, like when she goes into, she follows, <coughs> she follows this girl that she's fighting with into the church and um, this classmate and She's gone to confession because she's very, very Catholic. And then Margaret's like, well, I'm going to try it out. And I remember reading that and being like so scandalized because I had been raised very, very Catholic, very strict Catholic. And like, oh, you can't go in there. You didn't, you like, how could she do that? She hasn't had to, you know, and I think it's so, and now looking at it now, I was like, oh, good for her, you know, good for her. Try it out. How you won't know if you don't try. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, one of my good friends was Catholic when I was in middle school and I went to like, is it catechism or something like yeah. that? Yeah. yeah. So I went to one of those with her and cause I don't know, I think I was spending the night or something and it was really fascinating because they had to do confession and they, I was like given almost like a script of what I was yeah. supposed to say. And I remember it cause I was like so nervous, but it was, um, bless me father. For I have sinned. sinned. It's been so many months since my last no. confession. No, bless me, Father Fryveson. I'm not Catholic. I had to like tell the priest that I wasn't Catholic. And then he just gave me like a blessing and that was it. But I went in and did it and I thought it was fascinating. I... I'm a weirdo though. I love rituals. Anything like r- around rituals, I come kind of love. <laughs> yeah. And part of my family was Lutheran. And so like, I was kind of surprised, you know, there's very, a lot of similarities between those two. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Um, It is fascinating to explore religion at that age, just because it's all, you know, like the adults take it so seriously. And it's kind of interesting to see how all of them around you are the same kind of serious, no matter what church you're in. You know, or what kind of well, and it's just even in the book, the grandparents like the difference. The the differences in the like the grandparents are like each buying for her, basically. Mm -hmm. Like they are buying for her soul. Like no, 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 you have to be Jewish. No, 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 you have to be Christian. Mm -hmm. And then you know, like no matter what it's going to do to the family. And I kind of had forgotten about that part about you know, like when um the estranged grandparents come, and Mm -hmm. and that's such a hard thing because. They really just didn't get it. They did not understand. Like, if you could keep the religion out of this conversation, you can have a relationship with your daughter and granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And they weren't able to do that. So you saw the movie. What did yes. you think? 
I've heard wonderful things that it's really follows. It's really fantastic. It's so funny though, because in the beginning, you know, like how all book movie comparisons, you're like, oh, the book is so much better. So in the beginning of the movie, I was just like, oh, well, that's different from the book. You know, I had that like, you know, oh, right? well, that, you know, they left that out. And I just kept thinking that. But by like halfway through, I was totally sucked into the movie. And even by the by the end, I felt like I liked the ending in the movie almost more than the book. Of course, both are fabulous, but the movie was a little bit more succinct for obvious reasons, because in a book you can, you know, explore more. But I just, I loved it. I loved the actors that played the the girls. Oh my gosh. I kept thinking they are so young and here they are discussing things that they would be discussing at the age that they're at on screen yeah. for a movie. I'm like, I was like, that's amazing because it's embarrassing, right? To kind of talk about some of these things. And they're doing it as actors in a movie. I was like, wow, that's so impressive. And they did such a fantastic job. The the actors were really amazing. Well, and I heard that the actors were all just kids. They weren't like, yeah, they're not really like, you know, trained actors or child actors, I should say. And they and they were fabulous, really fabulous. I really, really enjoyed the movie. I feel like everyone should take their daughter and go see the movie. I took my sister and we went and saw it. Or actually when we were there, it was really fascinating. We went, I went like on a Tuesday at noon because that was the only time I had. And my sister just happened to be off work. So I was like, why don't you come with me to go see this movie? And it was funny because it was all like pairs of women. There were were like um, older mothers and middle-aged daughters. There were like uh, BFFs. You could tell like a couple of BFFs that were there, like maybe in their 30s or 40s. Because that's who this movie is for. At the end of the day, that's who this movie is for. It's a love letter to all of us. It's a love letter to anybody that was, you know, born in the the 60s, 70s, 80s. You know, this is our book. And this is finally like, oh, wait, someone remembered us. Um, you know, I, it, it really is our book. I was listening to a, um, a a movie review on Slate. I ended up turning it off because it was they were two millennial women talking about this book. And I was like, you know, it's not yours. And they were trashing things about the movie and things like, well, it's not believable. I mean, how am I? It's a good thing they left it in this time period because I don't even know what a sanitary belt is. And I'm like, guess what? We didn't have those in the 80s either, but it's not that hard. This was a love letter to us and those women of a certain age. And I feel like, you know, like it's sacred space, which Mm -hmm. just brings me, I want to bring up this. There is a um, an essay in the New York Times that came out like four or five days ago. Um, So maybe like at the beginning of May. And it's called, uh, Why Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret Still Matters. And it is one of the nicest. It's by Elizabeth Egan. If you get a chance, um, read it it, or listen to it. It's such a wonderful piece. It's sort of about like her finding the book. There's this one scene that she's talking about. And she's like her, she was in the hospital. She was like devouring the book. And her principal had come to visit because she was having a long hospital stay. And her principal just looked at the book and mentioned, pointed, and she nodded like, you're going to love it. And like, that was, she's a woman of our Aww. age, you know? Yeah, so that mm-hmm. would have been like way back in the day. And I feel like it's like a, it's like a people that ha- have a connection to this book. Like, a, it's like an unspoken kind of a wink and nod, you know, mm-hmm. mothers that gave her the books or I don't think my mother ever read it actually, but um. It's just of such a specific time and place. And I'm so glad that the movie came out when we're all just hitting 50 to sort of be like, here you go, girls, you made it look, you know, like, here's a little reminder of where you've come from. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really interesting. Like I said, I just 
feel like I definitely missed out on something, but I'm glad that I've caught up with everyone now. <laughs> so on that token, let's talk about Forever Judy Bloom, the documentary on Amazon. First of all, there were, I, I was like, I was not expecting all the words like masturbation and mm-hmm. vagina to be coming out of my screen. So I had to, because I was folding laundry and I was like, okay, I guess I'll wait till my boys are gone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting because I had it on last night when I was quilting. <laughs> it's graduation t-shirt quilt season. Um, and uh, my son came home from work and he was kind of in and out. And I could tell he was fascinated by it because he would kind of like smile or say something like, yeah. Um, and I thought, oh, you know, some of this stuff is really important for boys too. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and my son's always been one of these people, much like Judy Bloom, which she talks about in the documentary, is how she felt like no adults would be honest around her and they had secrets from kids. Yes. And and that is something that my son is very into. Like he just wants honesty. He wants to know what's going on. He loves anything like that. And he is, he was the same way. He always felt like teachers and grownups around him weren't telling him everything, you know? Yeah. And, um, I guess that, so when she taught, said those words, I tried to not cringe. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I'm like, I want to learn her lesson that, yeah, this is normal. Yeah. This I is just life. didn't want to explain it to a nine-year-old. That's why. Well, that's true. You just are still <laughs> a little bit young. Yeah. I didn't want to have that discussion at this that's point. That's true. Mine's 19. So it is a little bit easier. Yeah. But I felt like I learned so much from that documentary about her. And I'm so glad that they did that documentary while she's still here to be part of it. And I mean, good Lord, let me be kicking like that at 80. Ah, 83. 83. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, she is on top of her game and living her best life. It was such an honest look at all of her, like her failed marriages and her, like when she can just say, this was the biggest mistake I ever made. I just feel like, that is some serious growth, like mm-hmm. good for you and being mm-hmm. able to acknowledge that. And I, I think from a writing viewpoint, when she talked about like, um, I didn't want to use my kids in yes. my books or I did like when her son was fudge and I was like, <laughs> huh, funny, my son was fudge as well. And I didn't even write the book, um, you know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. in all the, the fudge books. But and then when he was old enough to sort of be recognizable, then she mm-hmm. stopped using him as characters. And I think that's so important. It's such an important lesson for mother writers to kind of yeah. take in like they're not your free property you know i think it's they 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 have their own life and they have their own importance so i think that's that's really a good lesson for a lot of people to take in i think it was interesting to what you're saying is how honest she was about her marriage you know marriages her relationship with her kids she was even honest about how it was hard on them some of yeah. some of what her decisions were really hard on her children And I feel like that is one thing as a writer that I sometimes struggle with is the fact that you do have to just be honest and pour your life out. That's a struggle sometimes, but that's where authenticity comes in, right? That's where creativity Mm -hmm. and authenticity are just at their peak is when you're reflective and completely honest about your life. And that's where when people can connect with it. And uh, I feel like that was also a really interesting lesson that I got from her during that documentary. And I didn't know that at the end of the day, Margaret was so based on her friends, her friend group and her own experiences. And Mm -hmm. I think that it made sense why she, after watching the documentary, I'm like, no wonder you never wanted anyone to make this into a movie because this is your life, you know, in an essence, this is you. Right. And who's ever going to do that justice, you know? Right. She had a cameo in the movie, by the way, which I love. 
Oh, good. I think all writers should get cameos in their movies. <laughs> I really do. I, I think it's I do awesome. too. I hope that when my children write like write about me and my life, I hope that Kathy Bates is still able to play me. <laughs> Just like Kathy Bates played the grandma because she is, she's my soulmate. I mean, she is, I'm her young, I am a younger version of Kathy Bates. In so many, so many ways. We do talk a lot about grandparents in middle grade books and how much we love them. And yeah, this the grandmother in both the book and the movie were just amazing. Loved her so much. She, You could tell she like authentically loved her granddaughter. She wasn't so nice to her daughter-in-law, but that's kind of probably realistic too. Honest. 100%. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how things kind of pan out in our world. But um <laughs> And I also love how, you know, like one set, one grandmother was wonderful and one just, she just didn't really, because there was, she she just wasn't Christian enough. So therefore it didn't really matter. So I feel like it's, that's very realistic too. There's a lot of kids in that same boat, you know, not everybody gets two wonderful loving grandparents that that want you. (laughs) Right. And honestly, I feel like as a kid, just having one is all you need anyway. Like having one person in your corner you know, that's not your parent. Yeah. And that could be anybody really. It could be aunt, uncle, you know, whoever, but it is nice when it's a grandparent, of course, because <laughs> they love you unconditionally. Yeah. I, I could go on and on and on. I could go. Yeah. I, I just, I love the documentary. It left me with ha- such a happy feeling. I loved reading Margaret again. I just loved everything about it. The documentary parts of it kind of made me sad, though, I have to say, because of all that she had to endure for being yeah. honest with kids. And I didn't um, know. Did you know about a lot of that? I didn't realize like she the bands and the stuff like that that she went through. I didn't realize she was a target of that Shafley lady. Ugh. And Pat Buchanan. I loved when she was like, when they showed the clip of Pat, Pat Buchanan and she was like, it seems like you're just obsessed with sex. You're, like, <laughs> yeah. you're really fascinated on masturbation. Like, I love you, Judy. You're the best. So you're funny. a national treasure. <laughs> I um, love too how she she almost reminds me of like Dr. Ruth or something. Like she likes She was on of, Dr. Ruth too. I didn't know that either. <laughs> Cuz she it's like she likes to just say things that Be truthful. Are, yeah, yeah, they're honest, but yet it's almost like it makes everyone around them squirm a little bit. It's kind of funny. It's pretty funny. It's great. I loved it. Oh, I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved it. So there we go. We talked about the book Are You There God It's Me Margaret from 1970 by Judy Bloom. We talked about the movie, Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret, that just came out um, on uh, April 26th. And we talked about Judy Bloom, excuse me, Forever Judy Bloom, the documentary that is on Amazon, Amazon Prime. That just came out too. It's a whole world for Judy Bloom. But I'm just saying this. I don't need to wait till I'm 82 to get this kind of press if I'm famous. I'm just saying. (laughs) Like I'm just saying. I want to put that out there. (laughs) At least it's not like after she died or something. Right. That's true. At least she's here to enjoy it. Uh, True. Good point. Good point. Good point. Um, All right. Well, that wraps up our book chat, our Judy Bloom Love Fest. And we'll be back after this break with our pick six, six authors who write across the ages, just like Judy did. We didn't even talk about that. So we'll get into that a little bit more when we're back. All right, we're back. And this week's pick six, we're just going to highlight six authors who have written for kids and adults alike. So um, I think it's, we were talking about Wifey was the most famous one. Do you remember Judy Bloom's Wifey? It was like scandal. You couldn't, my grandma had it, of course. So I read it at her house because I had literally a, a, a grandma very much like Margaret's. Can I just say one other thing? What it, she, um, 
her when they're in the club this was when i knew that this was and they all have to pick a secret name oh yes that's the best and her secret name is mavis um that's what my grandma used to call me oh that's That's when i was like oh that's my secret name too anyway Anyway, that's all I wanted to say. So anyhow, um, yeah, so Judy got really scandalized because she wrote, was writing all these great kids books. And uh, and then she wrote Wifey, which was sort of, you know, it was, I likened it to like a Daniel Steele. Right. Wouldn't you say like kind of in that ilk? It cracks me up how they're they're like, it was scandalous. But then it was like, it was a bestseller. It's like, yeah. Of course it was. It's like 50 Shades of Grey, you know? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's what it made me think of. That's It's hilarious. Well, the thing that I thought was surprising was how controversial it was for her to write for adults after writing for children. Like, you're a writer. You can write for all kinds of stuff. Like, that was so weird. And plus, at the time, there were so many authors who were of her same era that wrote children's books and adult books. Like, give me a break. It was so ridiculous. So anyway, we just wanted to highlight some other ones, some other authors that have done both. So one of our first ones that I think is um, one of the greatest is Sir Terry Pratchett. Sir Terry Pratchett wrote for both kids and adults. He had a lot of really great books out there. Um, I would say right now, people would probably best associate him with his book with Neil Gaiman, Good Omens, because Mm -hmm. that is, um, you know, he's passed a while ago. And so that's sort of what's out there with his name on it. Now, there are a gazillion books that he wrote. Um, They're all, I love Terry Pratchett. Do you like Terry Pratchett books? You know, I don't read a lot of (laughs) grown up books, but when I do... I have not read Terry Pratchett. I'm sorry. Oh, oh really? I, well, no, I've read Good Omens. Sorry. I did okay. read Good Omens. So, okay. I didn't read Good Omens, but um, there's the whole Discworld series that goes on. I mean, God, I don't even, I, he was so prolific. He had so many books out there. Um, the Discworld is like a humongous series. He had some standalones like, um, uh, like, a, like Dodger, uh, the Carpet People, the Dark Side of the Sun. He's sort of uh, good omens. He's sort of like a combination. It's sort of fantasy, funny humor mm-hmm. kind. You know, um, but he also wrote a lot of really good books for young readers. And one of those has also just been made into a, a movie, the Maurice the Cat series. He wrote that one and it was made into a movie just like in the winter right mm-hmm. um he has some great christmas books out there like a fake uh christmas father christmas's fake beard uh the time traveling caveman the witch's vacuum cleaner that's a really good one i like the witch's vacuum cleaner he has a whole series called the johnny maxwell books um but and then the uh tiffany arching books which are also really fun he's got his kids books have a very uh, Raw Doll vibe to them. Oh, I yeah, feel yeah. Like. So um, I just actually got a couple for my son because he's been like, he's pretty much devoured everything Raw Doll. So now he's moving on. So he's got, you know, he's got YA, he's got um, middle grade. He's he's done a lot. And I think that it's really interesting because there's so many books in his catalog. And if anyone read some of his adult books, they were like, oh, this is scandalous. Why, you know, like how mm-hmm. could they, you know, it's the same mm-hmm. thing. But of course he's a man. So therefore it wasn't an issue. <laughs> Um, also in that same genre of, oh, he's a man, so it doesn't matter, is Carl Heisen. We have talked about him a gazillion times. Carl Heisen is, I am a Mazer fangirl. I love his books. I love his gro- his grown-up books. And then I actually, his grown-up books took me to his kids' books. Mm-hmm. One of his best sellers is called Squeeze Me, um, Bad Monkey. I love Bad Monkey. Have you ever read him? 
Any of I've Heisen's never I've only read books? his kids' books. Now I haven't read his adult books. Carl Heisen's adult, like Razor Girl, Star Girl, Star Star Island, Skinny Dip, Basket Case. They're really funny. They always take place in Florida. Um, they kind of make you, they, they have a very, um, like a cheeseburger in paradise kind of vibe to them. You know what I mean? They're <laughs> yeah. always like the, they're, they're kind of detective novels, um, PI kind of vibe to it. They're really great, but his kids' books, I, I'm going to say his kids' mm-hmm. books are better. His middle grade books are actually better than his grown up books, even though I love his grown up books. They are better. Um, he's got the one like Hoot, Flush, Scat, mm-hmm. Chomp, Skink. Mm-hmm. His new one, Wrecker, is coming out this year. Ooh. It's coming out later in the fall, and I can't even wait. Um, so he's, probably about as prolific in middle grade books as he is in adult books. Mm -hmm. So he's really got it going on. And then this Mm -hmm. one was for my, this was for you. So I could blow your mind. (laughs) Did you know Rick Reardon had an entire series for adults? Rick Reardon of the Percy Jackson fame. You knew this? Yeah. I was stunned. And I thought, oh, maybe it was a one-off because like R.L. Stein had this like foray into adult books, but it didn't go so well. So I was like, oh, it must be like that. So I started digging in. Oh, no, no. It's the Trey Navarra series. And it's huge. He's st- It started with like Big Red Tequila. And it follows this unlicensed Texas private eye who who has a, quote, penchant for tequila and Tai Chi. (laughs) So I have now, they're on my summer reading list because I had no idea that he, and there's a ton of them. Um, There's a ton of these books in in that series. And let me see, there's big, there's like, I don't know, there's like four, five books. Oh, nope, I I lied. There's seven books in the series. So yeah, Rick Reardon, how do you do this? I mean, Rick Reardon cranks out a lot of books and he Mm -hmm. sponsors a lot of new writers and a lot of diverse writers. Back in the day, wasn't a fan of Rick Reardon. I thought he was formulaic. And then as I've gotten to know him through the years and he does a lot of really good stuff for writers. And I'm now a fan. I can fan him. I can fan him. And now finding out that he writes this ridiculous PI series about an unlicensed detective. I'm like, okay, you're winning me over. (laughs) <laughs> All right. So those are some of the big ones. What do you got? Well, to go hand in hand with Terry Pratchett, I have Neil Gaiman, of course. Yes, definitely. Um, he wrote Coraline, very famous. Not one of my faves. I'm not a Coraline girl. Sorry. You kind of, you are, you aren't, I feel like, because yes. you're, you know, but not, I mean, don't have anything against it, obviously, but the graveyard book I did enjoy and that one a Newberry and um, that was that's his middle grade book, which I really enjoyed. And then, of course, you know, Neil Gaiman's famous for so many grown up books, Good Omens. Uh, let's see, what else do we got? Uh, he's got a new one coming out, All Hallows Read. Norse mythology. You never read that? Oh, one? yeah. Like I read so that you. one. No, I oh, read okay. that one. Yeah. American Gods was the one that I got American really, Gods. really into. And that did yes. come out as a, um, and Sandman too. Sandman came out. It was on Netflix. I, I watched that. I did not read all of it. I read part of it and then I got creeped out. But American Gods was really good. I didn't watch it, but I, I really liked the book. Cinnamon is another of his middle grade books. He also has a bunch of picture books. Yeah. Again, not a huge fan of his picture books, but I, not yeah, terrible. I'm not a huge fan of his kids' books. I like his grown up books. But. Um, I, I think I definitely like his middle grade books better than his picture books, but yeah. So, I mean, and again, you know, of course, he's an amazing author. So it's, not, it's all about your taste. Right. Exactly. I mean, I tend to have like a Carl Heisen sensibility as opposed to a Neil Gaiman sensibility. Right. And I, uh, you know, and I, yeah, I don't always do all the dark stuff necessarily. Yeah. But I did like the graveyard book. I thought that was a fun one. Okay. Ursula Le Guin. Who is that? Why do I know that name? She is a considered one of the most important writers in science fiction genre. 
her stuff came out more like she started. She's like a seventies writer. Yeah. Yeah. Sixties and seventies with science fiction. Um, she has written so many the earth sea series. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, This is clicking in. Okay. The left hand of darkness planet of X. I mean, she just has tons of science fiction. So if you're into science fiction, you would know who Ursula Le Guin is. And she also has, um, a series that she wrote again, Writing in the 60s and 70s and 80s and stuff. Yeah, she passed away in 2018. But she wrote the children's series called Catwing Series. <gasps> that sounds fantastic. Cats Who Can Fly. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. Of course it is. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Know, Absolutely that sounds nothing. like totally up your alley. Anyway, Ursula Le Guin um, for the Catwing Series and hundreds of <laughs> sci-fi books for adults and then there's i had to sneak in one picture book author because i was kind of fascinated by this but jane o'connor who is famous for fancy nancy she has like i don't know how many fancy nancy books yeah oh my God, 300 gazillion yes, fancy nancy books. and there's a uh, broadway musical adaptation of fancy nancy i, I know didn't know that I actually, I wish I had a little girl to take to see something like that. It'd be so fun. Oh my God. You would have been a good girl, mom. You would have been really good at that. Doing your tea parties. <laughs> I know. I actually am throwing a tea party on Friday for my friend's grandchildren. That's awesome. Auntie Hee Hee. She's always I on know. it. I love to th- do, have fun. Um. Anyway, so Jane O'Connor has written a, her first adult novel and it's called Dangerous Admissions, Secrets of a Closet Sleuth. It came out in 2007. I haven't read it, but it sounds fascinating. I think you should because it sounds like um, a fancy Nancy. Right, fancy doesn't Nancy, it? Yeah, it sounds so fun. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that ends our pick six. Um, Marty, what's on deck for our next episode of Tulip Mamas? Well, believe it or not, this was my She took over the next episode. My, uh, <laughs> I, I did. I did because I never do that. So um, uh, we never read YA. We usually stick with middle grade, but I think it's time that we give our stinky teenager <laughs> books a, ch- a chance. And I found one that I really, really wanted to to read. So we're going to look at some YA books for the next one, young adult. So for, so instead of just the stinky middle schoolers, we're going to look at a little bit. We're going to go into the teenagers, give them something to read as well. I haven't even picked my book yet because I'm so far into middle grade now that I haven't read YA for a while. So I'm kind of excited to get back into it. Mine has, I will just tease you with this. Mine has a fat camp, a fat heroine and zombies. Ooh. I mean, like, could anything be better? Could you have a better, more promising I feel like we need mix? to start like a jar where we just throw things like that into like, and then try to combine them. It would be oh fun because like, right. can you imagine pulling that out Fat really Camp funny. and zombies? Like, yes, thank you. <laughs> yes, that's, hello, I'll take that. I'll take it all day long. And it is, it is a fabulous book anyway. And every time I see anybody sees me reading it, they're like, what is this? And I have to explain the whole book to them because I feel like it's so brilliant. So prepare yourself for the next episode. I have a lot to say. I can't wait. So remember, if you like what you've heard on the Tulip Mamas podcast, leave us a review and share us. We'll love you forever. And um, if you don't, we won't <laughs> love you. But I mean, that's pretty much goes without saying. <laughs> No, just leave us a review so people can find us. You want to share our knowledge with the masses. It's very helpful for people to find us then. And then like, especially like teachers who are struggling to come up with new books for their libraries. Parents looking for summer reading ideas. Yeah. Help a mama out. (laughs) Right, right. Definitely. Whenever you Um, can. 
And if you want to join us twice a month for Kidlet discussions, please subscribe to the Two Lit Mamas podcast through any of the places you get your podcasts. Um, and if you want to find out what's happening in our world, you can follow us on TWO Lit Mamas podcast on Instagram, TWO Lit Mamas on Facebook, and of course on our website, www.twolitmamas.com. Thanks. Bye. Bye.